sermon that you're about to hear is from Pastor Paul Borman at Hope Lutheran Church, located in Tigard, Oregon. For more information and for more content, go to hopeintigard.com. You don't have to know the details of what happened. You don't have to know the excruciating details of how Satan eliminated the, the value of Job's life in one moment. You don't have to know the details of how he assassinated Job's children in one fell swoop, how he afflicted Job's body with, with, with uh, boils to the point of, of being within an inch of his life, and how he turned Job's wife against him. You don't have to know those details. <laughs> That's why we didn't read him today. You don't have to know all these details to ask the question, why? Why, Lord? Why did Job have to go through all of that suffering? Was it because you had to let him do it, Lord? You know, we don't often ask that question that bluntly, but some do. That's how some people do uh, approach the book of Job, and, and particularly this section. They'll take this section to be able to point out and say, Satan really pulled one on the Lord here. He really backed God into a corner when, when he said, it was brilliant, when he said, does Job got, fear God for nothing? Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? I mean, it was brilliant on Satan's part, right? He was telling the Lord, Job doesn't love you. Not really. He loves you because you've given him a lot of stuff. Lord, anybody would love you if, they, if you gave them that much stuff. I might even love you. But, but God, if you take it all away... Just do that and then prove to me that he actually loves you. Was it because you had to, Lord? Is that why suffering happens? You know what my uh, study Bible has in its notes about this section? It says about this opportunity that the Lord had to prove Satan wrong. It, it has written down the Lord had to answer. He had to. That's what it says. And when it says that, it implies to us that, that the Lord, he was backed into a logical corner here. That in order to maintain his glory and his honor and his rightness, he had to let Satan off his leash here to prove that he was right. And so you can tease this out. You can bring it into your own life and, and you can start thinking like this. You know, if this is how suffering works, this is how suffering works, then that means that I got cancer because Satan got off his leash again. And it means that that I have really bad relationships at work and at home because God got backed into a corner. 
And it means that the, the trauma that, that I endured as a child was simply because Satan got the Lord's goat on something. So is that it? You know, this world-famous problem of suffering, is that the answer? That sometimes Satan is so cunning and so intelligent that he can even back God into a corner sometimes. Not according to the book of Job. You know, in the book of Job, when we look at this rightly, we can, we can tell. The planning for what happened to Job did not happen long before in the demented recesses of Satan's mind. The planning happened in heaven. You know, God had called this heavenly council meeting. He had called all his angels before him. And, and the reason that he does that is so that the angels can take orders about the governance of heaven and earth. That's amazing when you think about it. It's amazing that the God of the universe takes such a, an interest in our little blue-green orb. That he would gather his angels together and give them commands and say, this is how things will be carried out on earth for my children. Now think about that. It's, it's unique. We only get to see into God's throne room one other time in the Bible. You can have this clear picture in your head as you think about this. The Lord is the one who is in command of this situation, not Satan. The Lord is in command. He had summoned his angels. He had summoned Satan into his throne room. And he immediately asks the question, where have you come from? And the answer comes back from roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth on it. I mean, you talk about the petulant teenage answer. You know, the parents ask the teenage boy, where have you been? And the teenage boy answers, I've been around. You know, that's kind of what this is like, but it's more than that. When Satan says, I have been around, going back and forth on the earth, that's what he's been doing. He's telling the truth. He's been on the earth going from place to place, doing the things that he does and being the, the one that he is. That is what he truly had been doing and that is what he is doing to this day. Now Peter, he, he wrote it down like this. He said, beware your enemy the devil. He's roaming around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And that's what predators do. They prowl. They go from place to place. They search for opportunities. They follow opportunities. And when the opportunity is perfect, they pounce. That's what Satan does. He goes back and forth across the face of the earth, looking for opportunities to devour. He was telling the truth. I think it's important that we understand that about Satan. That he's not really in charge of himself. Far be it from being in charge of God, he's not even in charge of himself. Not really. 
He is no more in charge of himself than a lion is who has just been, a T-bone steak has just been put in front of his nose. That's what this is like. Satan is not in charge of where he goes. He goes where the opportunities are. He pounces where the opportunities happen. And I want you to know this, right? This does not mean that Satan does not have supernatural intelligence. This does not mean that Satan does not have supernatural cunning. And this does not mean that Satan does not have supernatural power so that he's not able to follow up on his supernatural plans. He does. He has all of that. But I do want you to know that he's not in in complete control of where he goes and what he does. (laughs) He's at the mercy of his malice and his anger. And so now we've got a a clearer picture of who Satan is and, and what he does and why he does it. Now let's zoom out the picture of Job. The Lord has summoned his angels to come before him to receive orders about the governance of earth. And Satan has to come too. And just like the other angels, he is going to do the will of the Lord. He just doesn't know it yet. And so how does God make it happen that Satan does his will? Well, he presents him with Job. He says, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright. He's a man who fears God and shuns evil. I mean, we've been talking about how Satan, he he waits for a piece of red meat, and when the opportunity is right, he He pounces. And so how could Satan not have a Pavlovian response to the red meat of Job dangling in front of his nose? How could he not be thinking to himself, there's my perfect target. There's the one that God considers to be his golden boy. I am going to go after him with everything that I have so that I can prove God wrong. Can you see the big picture of this? Satan is not in charge of this. The Lord is the governor of this whole situation. Satan is only reacting to God dangling Job in front of his nose. And so now, I'm seeing concern in some of your faces. I'm guessing I know the question that's in your mind. Why? Why would God do that? Why? If, if, if God loved Job, if he cared about Job, if, if he delighted in Job that much to praise him in the heavenly council, then why would he dangle him in front, of, in front of Satan, the most powerful, the most cunning persecutor in the history of history? Why would God do that? Why?
See, what I'm hoping I can do right now is I'm hoping that I can move us from one question to the next. I'm hoping that we've answered the question of whether or not God is powerful, whether or not God is in charge. He is. Now I want to move us to the next question. Does God care? You know, does he care about us as much as he says he does? Isn't that the question that lies in the back of our minds sometimes? Even if it's not a question that you've ever said out loud, even if it's a question that pops up in the back of your brain and you smother it right away, isn't it the question that's there? Isn't it the wondering that you have, wondering whether that hospital visit was just the result of God stepping out for a moment because he wanted some fresh air? Or wondering whether the relationships that have gone wrong in your life are are a result of God just not caring that much about something that small. Or again, whether the trauma that happened in your early life was just a result of God being more interested in somebody else. Does God care? We know he's powerful, but does he care? You know what Job believed? Job believed the Lord. And he believed that the Lord was both powerful and caring. He believed that the Lord was the Lord. And and I know that you can't tell in my voice, but I'm talking about the Lord in all capital letters, L-O-R-D. You can know that when you read your Bible, that when you read the Lord with all capital letters, it's, re- it's referring to a specific name and a specific title of God. <laughs> He's the Tetragrammaton, as it's called. He, he is Adonai. He is the Lord, the God of faithful covenant love, the God of power who created the heavens and the earth. He's all of it. And, and Job believed that. And you can know that he believed that. You know, we didn't read this verse today. I'm going to read it now. Verse 21 here. You can tell that Job believed that the Lord was both powerful and caring. He said, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. May the name of the Lord be praised. So you can know from this that, that, that Job wasn't talking about a God who was far away, distant, and impersonal. And he wasn't submitting to a God who he was afraid of. He was trusting in the Lord. The Lord who he knew was powerful enough to be in charge of any and every situation. The Lord who was caring enough to make it work for his good. Job trusted in the Lord. And he believed the Lord even though he didn't know something that we know. Job never knew what God said about him in his throne room. 
We do. Job never knew that God lifted him up in front of all of his angels and before Satan himself and said, look at my child, he's perfect. He's righteous, he's upright, there's no one on earth like him. Job never saw that. You can see that. And you can know from that 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 is the way God talks about you. Can you imagine that for a second? Can you all imagine the Almighty God seated on his heavenly throne? He's speaking to all of his angels and he says, Have you considered my servant? She's perfect. She's been made righteous. There's no one on earth like her. You can know that about how your God esteems you. You know what you can know about your life? You can know that that car accident that you had was not an accident the way you thought it was. And you can know that diagnosis was not the result of of DNA and genetics like you thought it was. And you can know that the, the bad relationships that you have are not the result of bad karma. And you can know in your life when you suffer and when it feels like a supernaturally cunning and powerful being is munching on you like a piece of red meat, you can know that it's in that moment that God is doing something beautiful for you. And that in that moment in his heavenly throne room, God is outsmarting, outwitting, outplaying, outlasting the most cunning. And he's doing it for you. I have proof that this is all true. Do you know that? I have proof that you are safe to trust this. You know what my proof is so that you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that in even the smallest piece of suffering, God is doing something for you. The proof is that God did the same thing with his son. He sent his son down to earth like the most juicy piece of red meat. And Satan pounced. Except you know what the big difference is between Job and us and between God's son, Jesus? The difference was that God set limits for Job and for us. There were places and things that that Satan was not allowed to do to Job and not allowed to do to us. There were no limits with Jesus. Satan was free to put Jesus on a cross if he wanted to. 
And so Satan put together his most heinous and dastardly plot. And and he did the worst things that he could possibly imagine. He said, I'll put God's own son on a cross and I'm going to do this. I'm going to make sure that it's his own people that put him up there. I'm going to make sure that he dies. I'm going to make sure that people hate him even. Now here's the clincher. Do you know what God did directly through Satan's most hated and dastardly plan? Do you know what God did with the suffering of Jesus? Through those things, he worked the most beautiful good. The forgiveness of sins. (laughs) God used Satan's worst plans and history's most grievous suffering to work for our eternal good. And God did that for you. So trust in him. Trust in him when that accident happens and you suffer. Trust in him when that relationship goes wrong and you hurt. Trust in him even when it's your child or yourself that's on your deathbed. Trust in him. Trust in him when it feels like Satan himself is chewing you up. Trust in God. And know that in Christ. Look at the cross, right? Know that because of Jesus and his cross, you can't possibly be wrong.